Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're continuing our monthly series on how I found my Great Loop boat. And we're doing this because we know that's the biggest challenge facing folks who want to do the loop. Um, there's so little inventory on the market right now. It can be really challenging to get aboard boats to try and find out what you like or don't like in a boat. So we've been bringing on some of our current loopers and some of our gold loopers to talk a little bit about how they found their boat and the features that they liked. And uh, we will be talking with the Willems today. Jody and Lewis will be joining us to tell us about how they found their boat. So before we jump in, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. So I'd like to officially welcome uh, the Willems with us today. Jody and Lewis, thanks for joining us. Hey, great to be here. Hello. And you are actually coming to us from the Loop. You're in progress right now, so just tell us where you are and where you're headed next. Okay, so we're uh, <laughs> uh, we're in uh, we're in Sackets Harbor, New York. Um, we we were going to do the Erie Canal all the way to Buffalo, but when uh, Canada announced that they were um, opening, we decided to uh, come check out the Thousand Islands anyway. And then when we we got up here, the Oswego Canal closed because of high water, so it just kind of helped uh, confirm our uh, choice to uh, head into Canada. So they're supposed to open on Monday, fingers crossed. Uh, we're fully vaccinated and ready to go. So hopefully we'll be uh, heading into uh, Canada next week. Yeah, and that's exciting because a lot of this year's loopers didn't know that they, if they'd be able to get to Canada. So I'm glad for you that that's working out and spending some time in the Thousand Islands till then is certainly a nice place to be. So tell us a little bit, um, for those who haven't met you along the way, just tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and you know when and where you started the Great Loop. Tell us about ourselves and where we started the Great Loop. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm Jody. I uh, technically retired when he retired uh, from full time job at uh, local university in Oklahoma, and um, wanted to live aboard. Didn't want to have anything uh, on land, so we don't. So we uh, moved aboard with our pug and. Uh, our little belongings. And uh, so here we are. Yeah. So we start, we bought our boat and we, we can go into this, I guess, later on. We bought the boat in Fort Myers, Florida, and uh, we moved it to Columbus, Mississippi while we um, closed out all of our retirement stuff and moved aboard. And then we actually took the boat to the fall rendezvous in 2019. We had gone to the fall rendezvous in 18 without a boat. And we were really excited to go to the fall rendezvous in 19 with our boat. And we did our name change ceremony there and uh, that's kind of technically where we started the loop. And we'll cross our wake at um, Pickwick Lake there in Mississippi. Yeah. And I remember your name change ceremony. It was a lot of fun. Um, so tell us, we'll get into the boat itself, but tell us the name of the boat. And for those who aren't familiar with the tradition of that name change ceremony, um, tell us a little bit about what that is and why you did it. So the name of the boat is a Wanderer. Um, we, we changed it from the, the former name of the boat was okay. And then the original owner, I can't remember what the, we're the third owners, but the original owner had a different name. I don't remember what it was, but so we changed, uh, 
we changed the name at the at the rendezvous. Like I said, there are a lot of different um, uh, things that you're supposed to do when you change the name of the boat. I guess it all depends on how superstitious you are. Um, I'm superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> there's there are there's some great um, different uh, scripts that you can read where you talk. You know, you have to. It involves usually a lot of alcohol, which we we had, and um, you know you have to you have to put some out on the north, south, east, and west, and as you say certain things. And it's funny after, um, even though we had a pretty good script and we did that right, after we changed the name of the boat, somebody there on the dock came up and said, "So now all you have to do to make it final is swim around the boat three times naked." Um, <laughs> so we decided not to do yeah. that, at least not at the fall rendezvous. It was so. I do remember it was it was cold, but no, yours was a very fun ceremony. Probably uh, the only one I remember really actually seeing at a, at a rendezvous. Um, and I know you had family and friends come in, so it was it was a great time, and and you really made it quite the event, and that was a lot of fun for everyone. So um, very good memory from the 2019 fall rendezvous, which is the last one we had. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a good way to kind of to send everybody off with that. So uh, let's end the suspense let's tell everybody um and i've been aboard your boat and it is gorgeous um, a <laughs> wonderful looping boat and, and since you're you're all in so to speak and live aboard and don't have a dirt house um very suitable for that but tell us uh what she is and some of your favorite features we have a uh, it's a 1999 hampton uh, 490 pilot house motor yacht i always forget to say motor yacht um <laughs> It's, uh, like I said, we're live aboard, so we uh, decided to go a little bit bigger when we uh, bought the boat. Yeah, it's, um, I guess we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but um, 49 feet, so it seems a little bit long. I know when you're first looking out for a boat, you might be looking smaller, but we, we were actually looking smaller too. But uh, yeah, 49 feet mm -hmm. turned out to be a pretty good size for us since we live aboard the boat. And how, how did you decide... Um you know, you, you said that a lot, a lot of folks kind of start out thinking smaller. What previous boating experience did you have? Um, and how did you kind of focus in on, you know, how did you start the process of, of going? Because you're from Oklahoma, so probably not a big boating area for most people. Um, you know, what boat did you have and how did you start the process of finding your liveaboard? Well, we had our previous boating experience uh, included all of the 17 and a half foot ski boats. So um, uh, once we once we started going to a trawler fest and, and the AGLCA events and doing some things like that and, and some of the boat shows, we just started looking at different boats. And again, you know, the more people you talk to, the more, you know, you just kind of get different ideas. And um, the funny thing is, is I don't mean to sound this, I don't mean this to be in a bad, kind of a bad way, but when you meet people who are actively doing the loop and cruising, you kind of just think, well, you know, Hey, if they can do it, we can probably do it. And, um, so that's how we ended up, you know, kind of getting bigger and bigger. And, um, as long as you're fairly, uh, competent and just being able to, to kind of learn things, that's the key. You have to be able to learn things and then, and be smart. Like we hired a, a captain to help us train up on the boat when we first bought it. So we weren't really too concerned about making the jump. We were a little bit, but we figured we could figure it out. Yeah. So um, give us some of the specs, if you can, about Wanderer. So um, you mentioned she's a 490. What's the length overall? Because it is a, a big boat. Um, you know, what's, uh, what kind of engines, what's your typical cruising speed, things like that. 
Yeah. Um, so, and I just looked at, at the specs again. You always get asked for people who don't yet have a boat, but the, the key when you're going to a marina <laughs> is what's your length overall. So they're always going to ask you yeah. because they charge you by the foot. Plus your swim platform. Yeah. Plus they want to know the swim platform. The length overall is, you know, it's, it's in the name. It's a 490. So our, our length overall is 49 feet, two inches. Um, Jody had some must-haves on the boat. And we found those in this boat and we, we actually got a lot of our nice to have stuff on here as mm -hmm. well. But so she's 49 feet overall. Um, she is a pilot house uh, motor yacht. So in addition to the uh, Flybridge uh, driving station, which is where we normally operate the boat from, uh, there is an enclosed pilot house, which is very nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, because it, it not only gives us a, a place to drive from when the weather's bad or at night, but it's, it's, a, it's a separate living area, which is mm -hmm. great. It has a, it has a table and a, and a, uh, like a little uh, couch up there and plus the, the helm chair. So it's a separate living area. We have two staterooms below each with their own head. Um, both of those heads are dry heads, mm -hmm. which uh, was really important for Jody because she didn't want to have a, um, a bathroom where when you took a shower, everything got wet. Yeah, I don't have to wipe it down all the time. Yeah, yeah I'm so, with you on that for sure. A dry head <laughs> is an important feature for many. And that, and that was mm -hmm. that was kind of a big deal. So each of our each of our heads is dry. They mm -hmm. have an enclosed shower um, stall, which is really nice. And that is very very nice to have. Mm -hmm. um, we have a cockpit, which was one of our desired features. Which on a which on a motor yacht mm -hmm. is the area basically it's like your back porch there's room to put a couple chairs out there and relax uh based on which direction the sun is shining mm -hmm. um you said engines so we have two um 450 horse cummins turbo diesels um probably a little more engine than we thought we wanted mm -hmm. but because the boat is uh nearly fifty thousand pounds um that will allow us to cruise at about 20 miles an hour if we have to or want to, mm -hmm. but our typical cruising speed, the boat is really comfortable at about 10 miles That's an true. hour. Mm -hmm. um, we run at about 1200 RPMs and typically we can, we can cruise at 10 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. That also makes the math a lot easier to do too. Yeah. So if you have 60 <laughs> miles, it's about six yeah. hours. Yeah. Now, have you calculated, yeah. <laughs> have you calculated the fuel consumption at the 10 miles per hour versus the 20? Or is that something you'd rather not know at the 20? <laughs> It, it, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I, I did have the, the fuel figures figured out pretty early on in the trip. <laughs> that I, goes out the window. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were yeah. really, when we were looking for a boat, that's one of the things I had on our nice to have list was a, an, a fuel efficient boat. Mm -hmm. Um, but we learned that oh, most, <laughs> most of your cost goes to marina fees mm -hmm. and, and fuel, even in, even in a go-fast boat, while, while it would, will cost you a lot more, obviously, than if you're in a trawler, mm -hmm. the marina fees are, are really what's going to get you on your cost rather than fuel. So our boat is fairly efficient at, at um, 10 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. um, we will uh, run it at speed um, often enough to kind of what they call blow out the turbos because that's pretty good for them so we get them up really hot for it we run it for an hour every once in a while um but 10 miles an hour is good for us um and it is fairly fuel efficient the good thing about our boat is we hold 800 gallons of fuel so if we have to we can go quite a long mm -hmm. way uh, between fuel stops if we have to yeah yeah so and a hampton is not something that's you see a lot 
on the loop. Um, you know, there's certain boat makes that you see lots and lots of, and a Hampton is one a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with as much. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that brand and, and how common is it? Have you seen others out there on the loop? Have you seen other Hamptons? Yes and no. <laughs> uh, one in person, mm -hmm. um, but it was a newer model. Uh, that was. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a, a brand new one. It was, yeah. They're bigger now. The newer ones are bigger. Um, there are, from what I understand, a couple out there. Mm -hmm. um, they're, I think, a year older than our boat and have a couple of little different features. Um, but for the most part, they look almost the same. Um, I don't think I, I don't think we've run across one. We've not seen one exactly like ours. When we were in Savannah, yeah. I had a gentleman contact me. He was looking at the <clears> same <throat> exact model of our boat, same year and everything in Florida. And, um, he asked me, we spent about an hour and a half walking through ours because he had a lot of questions about it. I don't actually know if he bought that boat. He did make an offer on it. Um, so there are a few out here on the East coast. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What was funny is we were looking at some Canadian, um, marinas to look at. And I, and I, one of their advertisements had a boat that looked just like ours, but a little bit different. And the name of the boat was wandering L and M, which is kind of funny because wandering. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I looked it up because you can always find information on boats and it was actually a five forty, So it's five feet longer mm -hmm. than ours, but it was a Hampton. Wow. Um, look almost identical now. Yeah, just it added five feet to the cockpit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one other thing um, uh, about the two of you is uh, Jody. I know that you like to drive the boat, um, and we know that often there is uh, some of the ladies prefer not to. How did you get comfortable with driving a boat that size, particularly since you didn't have a lot of boating background before that? It actually came. Um Sorry, I'm trying to keep the pug from jumping off the couch. <laughs> uh, it came easy. I guess I, I just had to um, put it together with like driving a car. Um, I was terrified. Actually, I was more terrified of going through locks than I was of driving the boat. And so, um, but with just practice and just patience, uh, and just, I went slow for a long, long time. Um, I love it now. It's, it's, uh, I hog it actually. Um, we had to go into two hour increments driving and uh, taking turns every other day, driving and docking the boat because I wasn't letting him get any experience. Um, but I love it. It's, uh, it's thought provoking. I guess it gives me something to think about when I'm not, I guess, doing a job or something like that. You know, it, it, it just makes my mind work because I have to think of all the other aspects that are going on around me. Yeah. Jody, Jody does an excellent job too. It, it's always funny though. Like when we came in here where we're at in Sackett's Harbor, we're basically along, along the seawall um, in between two fairways. And so she had to come in and basically turn the boat and then just basically kind of crab it in. And uh, after we had docked and got everything tied up, uh, a couple of ladies came by and said, I just want to let you know, uh, our husbands thought you did a great job docking that boat. <laughs> and well, she's heard that quite often, which is just kind of shows that I guess um, I would say that women, sh if you have any desire, your husbands or your significant others should allow you to do that. 
it's a lot easier to move a couple of sticks sometimes mm-hmm. than it is to um, deal with the uh, handling lines. Yeah, I wish I did um, see more women drive. Um, there's a lot of them out there that are just uh, just scared of the of the sheer size of it. Um, but I wish I did see more lady captains out there. Yeah, and actually, after I saw you last face to face in Charleston. Um, you inspired me, and I have been doing more of the the boat handling. <laughs> you know, oh, I've nice. been fine driving it, but I've been pulling out of the slip and things like that. So, um, yeah, and it—I mean, honestly, once you're comfortable with it, it it is a lot easier than handling the lines. Honestly, I think it's so. Yeah, I agree with you, and I am continuing to practice that to gain even more comfort. But, but yeah, you inspired me to do it more, and it is—it's—it's um, it's fun actually. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of get used to it. So this is a, a good place, I think, to take a break and play a message from a sponsor. When we come back, I want to focus a little bit more on how you selected your Hampton, um, you know, what features were important to you and, and, and how you actually located this particular boat. So we'll be back in a moment. Green Turtle Bay Marina and Resort has consistently been voted a must stop by loopers. It has earned the coveted five anchor designation from Quimby's Cruising Guide. This full-service marina features over 450 slips. They are located at mile marker 31.5 on the scenic Cumberland River. Green Turtle Bay is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA, so join them and find your waterway of life. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Today we're talking with Jody and Lewis Willem, and they are aboard their beautiful Hampton 490 Pilot House motor yacht. And we're talking about how they found their Great Loop boat, since that's such a challenge for many right now. And of course, uh, Jody, you purchased yours two years ago, correct? Two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two years, um, middle of July. Yeah. So um, you, you've had a kind of a settling in time. But thinking back to before you selected the Hampton, um, a lot of loopers have kind of a list of must-have features and features that we're nice to have. And I know that changes over time. Um, but what were really kind of the must haves for the two of you when you started looking for what would be your actual liverboard boat? Um, well, the, the must haves and, uh, or what we call deal breakers, you know, you have a pretty long list when you start looking for the boat. And then, uh, as you start looking at the boats, you know, that list gets a little shorter because, um, you realize, you know, you're not going to have your all out dream and have everything. But, um, for me, I needed, um, a galley up. Um, I was really worried about having a galley down as far as getting seasick and, and just, being down at the waterline like that. So I really wanted a, a galley app and at least one of our heads dry. Um, the uh, flybridge, I wanted a huge flybridge um, that we could uh, eat and sit and, and have guests over, you know, things like that. I wanted to have a pretty big uh, flybridge. So I, I think that was my three major ones. Yeah. And then on some of the stuff I was looking for, um, twin engines, you know, and then I wanted the ability to uh, safely get over to the Bahamas, um, which we haven't done yet, but we plan to do. Mm -hmm. And anything, um, you know, that that perhaps was originally kind of on that must-have list, but uh, you didn't find or that got shifted to kind of a a nice-to-have along the way? Yeah, it's funny, you know, before you you get on a boat, we had uh, one of the things that I had, I'm looking at our list here, 
one of the deal breakers was a centerline um, master with the which where, where the master bed runs right down the center of the boat. And then in talking to a few people, they said, "Nah, it's not that big a deal." And our boat does not have a centerline master. The the bed runs uh, crossways, and we love it. It's love actually it. when when the boat does rock, it it seems to be a it's, it's a, a counteractive. It's like being in a cradle. Yeah, it's it like being rocked like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we we enjoy it better. So it's funny that was one of the things that we thought we wanted to have, but really in, in the end, it really didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to think most of the other stuff that, again, when we're, when you're new to a boat this size, some of our must-haves were things that just every, every boat has anyway, like a generator or, you know, um, not every boat has inverters or autopilot, but most of your more modern boats that you're going to want to buy have those anyway. So they really wasn't that big a deal. Stabilizers. They're nice. Yeah, that was a luxury item. We didn't think mm-hmm. we needed them or wanted them, but now that we have them, it's still pretty nice to have. <laughs> to another boat, stabilizers are on my my top list. Yeah, they're, they're, it's really nice. Yeah. So once you kind of had in mind, you know, you mentioned going to Trawler Fest and some AGLCA rendezvous. Once you kind of had in mind what you were looking for, um, what was your next step in finding the right boat and purchasing it? Um. Well, I think when you're in the planning phase, I think probably everybody does this now. The internet has made things so much easier to do research on. And so, you know, I know guys call it boat porn, you know, but you look at um, you look at Yacht World and you start just looking at just about every different kind of boat. And one of the things um, I found a, a site that was awesome was this powerboatguide.com. And um, it lists... Uh, just about every of the more modern and not when I say modern from the seventies on um, boats, I mean, you can look up grand banks and Katie Krogan's and Hamptons and, you know, navigators, everything. And it, it gives the details on the length, the beam, the, the, uh, the draft, uh, typical stateroom layouts. That was extremely helpful mm-hmm. because when you're looking at boats, um, unless you're ready to buy, it's really hard for a broker to convince another broker to take the time to show you mm-hmm. a boat. And so um, unless you see, unless you can do things like the looper crawl at the rendezvous or go to trawler fest where they let people on the boats, um, unless you know people with, with boats, it's mm-hmm. really hard to get on one and take a look. And so all that internet research really helps a lot. But, um, Really, even even saying all that, getting a broker and then being able to look at boats in person is a huge difference. And that's why I think the looper crawl is really important at the rendezvous. Mm-hmm. The broker and, with a good reputation. Yeah. And how did you select the broker that you used? Um, how, how, how did we select Michael? Oh, we met him at the at the rendezvous. Yeah. We met him at the rendezvous. He came highly recommended. Um, he was. Uh, gung-ho and ready to sit down with us the, you know from the very beginning um took all of our information down our must-haves our wants you know took everything into consideration um, we felt really comfortable with him from the very beginning and he uh put our mind at ease but he also um brought us down a notch not um you know we were looking at um sabers and navigators and and a couple other boats um i can't remember which ones now yeah katie krogan's and he goes well i thought you know how about looking at this you know this this is something you know that uh has 
you know, pretty much everything you want, but it's, you know, it's a little bit older and it's a little bit, you know, this and that. And so he, um, he opened our eyes to some solutions that actually worked out pretty well, um, opened up more funds and things like that, you know, so we were able to do some things with this boat that we wouldn't have been able to do if we had bought a new or more expensive boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had, uh, you know, everybody sets a, a price target, you know, and mm-hmm. we, we had that. And this boat was probably right in the middle of our um, our price range. We had looked at some that were at the very top end of our price range. But I think it's like one of the, um, not recommendations, but, one, you know, one of the, some of the advice I would have is always leave yourself enough room mm-hmm. to either do some modifications that you want done or you know, to do some engine work and make sure the boat's ready to do the loop. Uh, the boat we bought, this boat was very sound, mm-hmm. but um, the engines, I didn't want to be somewhere on the loop and then have something break. So we spent some money on the engines, making sure that they were, um, uh, I mean, they were fine before, but we really had some work done that we, we would feel comfortable cruising for a year or two that we felt like there wouldn't be any um, major issues as we went. So mm-hmm. always have a little bit of money saved up for in your budget for to take care of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your broker is an AGLCA sponsor. Um, go ahead and tell us who that was. Yeah, it's uh, Michael Martin with Curtis Stokes. And, um, you know, I, I would, I would say that just trying to the AGLCA sponsorship is a, is a huge deal for us mm-hmm. because we figure that, if they're willing to show up at the rendezvous or the, or the AGLCA events and meet with you face to face, and they've been there and doing that um, over an extended period of time, I think you can feel fairly safe that they're going to be there when you need them. He and, was. He and was. yeah, Michael. Is, a very easy, easy um, process. process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we appreciate and our sponsors. Also, they definitely do go above and beyond for our members. Absolutely. And then we used, um, we used your sponsor to, to do the boat financing as well. And mm-hmm. actually, um, on our insurance as well. Mm-hmm. So, and that was probably, was that Cindy Lewis from yep. Sterling? Yeah. Awesome. She, uh, you know, uh, our boat was 20 years old when we uh, bought it. And I know that was kind of a, kind of a, not, not a rule, but kind of a guideline that said, basically, if you're going to finance a boat, you want it to be within 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably changed a little bit now because of the market. You can probably get a loan for older boats a little bit easier, but, um, and then insurance as well. Um, so I, I think using the, the sponsors are great because we just, you feel comfortable mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they're taking the time and the effort to, uh, to give back to the organization that we enjoy is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. We think they're pretty cool too. <laughs> We've got a, a great roster of sponsors and they, they really support loopers and the association in general. So we're appreciative of them. So once you engaged a broker, how long did it take to find the right boat? I'd say once we were ready to pull the trigger, uh, probably three months, three months, maybe, I think. But I have to add, um, we were in Oklahoma and, uh, both at the time when we were buying were selling very fast and we weren't fast enough. We, I think two boats we were interested in, we couldn't even get there in enough time before an offer was put out on it. Um, so you have to be willing, um, you know, to drop what you're doing and leave at a moment's notice to go look at a boat. So you've got to have, you know, that built in as well. Yeah. I, th- I was going to, I was going to say that too, uh, especially now I know the market is, is tighter and so if you trust your broker, which we, which we did, mm-hmm. and 
I mean, if you're hung up on wanting a, um, a specific boat, like if you want a Grand Banks 42 Europa and that's the only thing you're going to have, well, then your choices are limited. But if you give your broker your list of what you want, your must-haves and the type of boat you're looking for, because we've never really even looked at Hampton, but this has a very similar layout to a Meridian 490 or a Bayliner 4788 or the uh, Navigator 4800. So very similar layout, not built by the same company, but very similar layout. So once this hit the market, and actually, I think we bought this, or we made the offer on this boat technically before they even listed it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, that's the other value of having a broker is they're made aware of boats sometimes before you see them on Yacht World or, uh, or other ways. Yeah, and the market has become even faster moving, I think, than it was even two years ago. Um, and yeah. what Jody said about, you know, how losing out if you didn't make an offer quickly um, is absolutely true. And it's, it's pretty common right now um, to be making the offer sight unseen with a contingency, um, meaning if you go do your personal inspection and are not pleased for any reason with the boat, you can walk away. And that's another important reason to be using a broker because they can handle that contingency, um, you know, make sure that you're protected if you get there and, and aren't pleased with the boat. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy marketplace <laughs> right now. It, that's one thing I'll, I'll, um, I'll talk about is if you've never purchased a boat or a large boat like this, Jody mentioned it too, you've also got to be willing to jump on a plane on a short notice and fly somewhere and inspect a boat. And that was a little bit unusual for us because, mm -hmm. you know, when we looked at boats, it's always some local boat or, or when you're looking at a car, you just go down to the car dealership and you look at what they have. But uh, the first boat we looked at was, uh, was in Chicago in November. <laughs> Ooh, um, during their worst snowstorm they've ever had. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, one of those Arctic fronts. It was the boat was on the hard shrink wrapped in plastic, and yeah, it's just an unusual process. And um, <laughs> Michael was pretty good about saying, "Hey, you know, it's a, it's a great boat, but you right. know, if you make an offer on it now, it's November in Chicago. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do a sea trial until the spring." And so it, it raised a lot of concerns about what the, how the process was going to work. And, mm -hmm. and I'm glad we didn't buy that boat because I think it remained for sale for about another year. So there was probably something wrong with it anyway. But, uh, but um, it, it is unusual to, to, to jump on a plane and go look at a, at a, at a, at a boat. That's, but that's something you have to be willing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before we wrap up, any final tips or thoughts for somebody who maybe is out there right now searching and, and not sure what to do next? Final tips or thoughts? Um, be open-minded. Uh, be uh, ready to be disappointed <laughs> uh, in losing a boat. Um, but just, uh, you know, you got, you got to be flexible. Just be open-minded and flexible. Yeah, I, you know, everybody says that, you know, every boat is a compromise, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I would caveat that with every boat's a compromise, it, it, unless money is no object. I mean, right. if, if, you, <laughs> if money is no object, you can get everything you want on a boat. Yeah. But um, so be, be able to, uh, willing to compromise on some things that you need. Mm -hmm. And then we've talked about this already. You can be a little bit patient if you want a type or style of boat, but if mm -hmm. you're really hung up on a specific brand or, or a year of boat, you can't be too patient. Like you said, right. in today's market, you've got to be willing to. Uh, yeah, you got to be ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, one other piece of advice is, and Michael gave me this advice, but I didn't necessarily follow it, <laughs> was um, after you purchase the boat, hold off for at least a few months before you make any like cosmetic improvements. Um, mm-hmm. The things that you might think are important on the day you write the check and buy the boat after living on the boat for three or four months, you realize, yeah, that, that's just not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get it buffed and waxed and make it look all pretty. You can um, do that yourself. You later. can do it yourself <laughs> later. Um, it's a lot cheaper. Um, but once you get it in the water, it gets dirty anyway. So <laughs> all right. On. Lewis and Jody, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing your time and your knowledge with us today. I think that was really helpful for a lot of people who are in the position now that you were in a few years ago. So thank you. Yeah, we'll see you at Trawler Fest. All right, we'll see you at the Fall Rendezvous. (laughs) I I will be at Trawler Fest, actually. There's one coming up in uh, Newport, Rhode Island um, at the end of the month. So I will be at Trawler Fest. I don't think you'll be there. Um, But yeah, we'll see you. And you'll be crossing your wake uh, in the next several months. So congratulations on your continued looping and enjoy Canada and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks. And thanks to everyone who's listened today. We'll be back next week with another episode of great loop radio until then safe cruising.